0: sung what a movie oh my god you have got to feel it inside your soul that you you've landed on something here that is going to be carried a long way into the future oh thank you for those kind words ero how did how did it take shape i mean because seriously because i mean comedy they say you've got to go in there and you've got to craft it and so but now when you add pictures to it that there's there's more crafting taking place
1: Mm. Well is your question How did the movie take place Or how did well, the overall film
0: Well because, because I'm a writer I'm fascinated with the way That it's written out first And then you've got to take What was written Or even planned out On a storyboard And now you've got to make Moving pictures That are going to make people jump People are going to laugh mm. Mm.
1: Well the, um, the origin of the script Came from my friends Aaron Strongoni And Andy McAllister They Uh, gave birth to this script because they did a short documentary about Gabe Bartalis, who did the visual practical effects for us Um, a master of his craft you know a man that's been dedicating his whole life to creature building um, but practically and he's a disciple of Rick Baker Um, and they just fell in love with his energy and they garnered so much respect for what he did as a you know, as an artist, as a craftsman. And, you know, they felt like this art form, this trade, it was slowly or is slowly dying because of technology and CG within films. And they wrote this film, you know, for two reasons, an homage to people like Gabe, to celebrate their love affair for, you know, 70s and 80s and early 90s practical effects. But Andy, at that time, um, one of the writers had a eight or nine year old daughter, and he wanted to share this love affair for practical effects with her without scaring the bejesus out of her. <laughs> so they they came up with the script about you know these two you know girls going on this journey of becoming you know comfortable with who they are and and, and becoming comfortable in their skin. And I just really resonated to that theme of friendship and what it takes uh, for one to be okay with themselves. And if you just have one partner in crime, you're pretty good. And um, they were on their way to Austin because the script was getting an award there. And I asked my buddy Aaron, I said, hey, you've been moonlighting, what's up with this? You know, I'd love to read the script. Yeah. And we we shot this film during the pandemic. And I, I thought my first... You know, directorial debut was going to be a more dramatic, you know, some type of coming age story. But when I read this, you know, I just felt like, man, I want to laugh, you know. <laughs> and, um, and it, you know, on paper, it was funny. And then we went ahead and tried to make this movie during the pandemic. And then the two actresses, uh, Brooke and Vivi you know, they brought the characters to life. So I have to give them the credit for you know the comedy aspect of it because they really you know um gave birth to these like you know to the relationship between the two and there's so much improvisation and i really leaned on them because you know you know like with these in smaller movies you know we have very limited resources Mm -hmm. to put on the screen so we had to lean on the actors you know and they just did a fantastic job of bringing the characters to life and bring infusing that comedy
0: See, but I like the the indie way of making movies because it reminds me so much of on the stage. If you were on Broadway or in Los Angeles on a stage, you don't get a second and a third chance. You got to get out there and you got to make that performance work. Absolutely. And you're right, these girls, oh my God. And, and there, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie and it's just but it had to come from your eye first for us to be able to experience it.
1: Oh, uh, well, you know, it takes a village to make a movie. I mean. Mm again this was my first you know you know directorial debut and you know without the the wonderful crew and all the support i had um during pre-production and production you know I, i i wouldn't have been able to finish the film so yes i mean you know my job as a director is to you know just hire people that are more talented and smarter than me you know and i get to sit back and just call action but um there was a lot of pre-production a lot of conversations and you know you just you know you 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 just hope that you have passionate people i mean that's your really only currency on these smaller movies and you have to lean in all the departments to you know um to bring a film to life so you know i have to give credit to the to the crew and the cast
0: I've always liked pre-production because people will bring their yellow pads and, and then I will always want to look at them because I want to see who the doodlers were because they're still listening. They're still participating with the conversation. But I love what people put inside their pads.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I doodle a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the conversation, sometimes just a bunch of circles. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The movie we're talking about is Shaky Shivers, and what's great about this is it's almost like you've given us a new fun way to look at monsters. We need a monster.
1: Mm, Thank you. Well, that's also Gabe Bartolis. You know, he, Gabe, he has so much experience with creature building. You know, the mentorship that he gave me, you know, during the process of uh, creating the monsters you know he the conversations you know they weren't just like oh you want a zombie or right. you want a Bigfoot or you know a werewolf it was you know you know, having that like nice blend of you know making sure that you know it's something that we haven't seen before um, hopefully and then also you know this is a horror comedy so you know we didn't want it to have like this like dark element to it where it's just scaring people so um, you know, having someone like Gabe kind of walk you through the process of how to build these creatures, and then also, you know, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but you know, we have a werewolf transformation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a direct homage to American Werewolf in London, um, Rick Baker's work, and you know that they had several days on that film to to execute that scene, and we had several hours, and you know, to be able to have someone like Gabe you know like walk us through pragmatically to to make that seem realistic um and then again it was a combination of having you know a veteran like Abe, um and then also you know the wonderful performance that Brooke Markham gave us because if she couldn't sell that then you know I, I think it would have came out like super cheesy
0: this is the type of movie that I grew up watching at the outdoor drive-in. And it's one of those where it's like, because we have three of them here, out, outdoor drive-ins, and I, I've got to go see it there. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that the locals will, will put it up on their big screen, because I want to experience it with the atmosphere of all of those cars and that big, gigantic screen.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what cinema is for, is to be, it's a shared experience. And that, I mean, how often do you get to go to a drive-in and, and watch a film these days? You know, I mean, that's part of my you know, film DNA too. You know, my dad would take me to, you know, the, the double, the double headers. I think that's what they call it. Um, you know, and be able to like watch like Mad Max one and Mad Max two and, and, and the drive in and walk to the concession and go get it and see all these other people and families and cars. And it's just a very visceral feeling when you get to watch a film, especially in a drive in atmosphere. So I, am totally with you. I, I, I wish there were more, for us to be able to watch movies and drive in six days.
0: One of the things that that is very interesting about making movies nowadays is that, you know, as somebody from from in radio, I want to know about the movie business in the way that the green light, to get that green light to make this movie, was there a lot of shaking hands and kissing babies?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to get a movie made is like winning the lottery twice, I think. Yeah because there are so many movies out there people just assume you know you write a script and you know people give you some money and you go but it's not like that you know i mean it's just, at the end of the day it's called show business mm-hmm. not show let's let's go help some dream right um, um, and so you know there's 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 a lot of of that shaking hands and meeting people and a lot of no's arrow you know it's like it's 99.9% no's you know yeah. and somehow some guardian angel comes down and you know blesses the project and hands over some money like you know it, it. and the movie business is you know not as profitable as people think I mean it's so so risky right and um, you know when you deal with investors and stuff you know people are looking for low hanging fruit and you know they're risk averse so you know getting any movie made is such a challenge but I think that's what makes it so rewarding is that you know you have to go through those challenges and you have to be told no because otherwise when you do get to set you know you don't appreciate like that journey and what it takes to even get you know the bad lunch you're having for that day you know so every day you're you know I was able to step back and go you know how how did this happen like you know are these people crazy that are investing into this film and you know how lucky and fortunate I am to be in this place to you know to pursue this dream right and, and make this happen and get all these wonderful people that are coming during the pandemic to support this crazy vision you have right so um it's very very hard you know, very hard and i think it should be you know, as it should be you know
0: has it changed your vision when it comes to and now that you've got one movie underneath your belt i mean does it does it make you a different person in the way of okay i know how they did this i know how i'm going to do it the next time
1: Well, it's definitely changed um, my perspective as an actor, you know, like during some of the process of making a film, like even casting, right? Like it is so difficult to find the right actor for the role. You think, you know, because there are a lot of actors out there and you think, oh, you know, if I get somebody that has been in movies before or, you know, can make the lines believable, then they're the one. But it doesn't work like that. You know, a character... A role is like a tailored, you know, suit for that particular actor, and either it fits perfectly or it's a little ill-fitted, you know. And as an actor, when you know I'm in the business of no's, you know, um, like everyone tells you you're not good enough, mm-hmm. and you get rejected every single day. And it, I step back and realize, you know, you don't have to take that personal. I mean, you, you're not going to fit every role, even though I think I can do it, you know, and maybe I can. There's probably somebody out there that is really perfectly fitted for that role. And so, that casting process for us to find our two actresses, you know, was very, very difficult. You know, it came down to like you know, almost like the last, you know, week before wow. we were shooting. Wow. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of that, you know, in terms of perspective, going, wow, you know, yeah, that process is like super hard. And also, as an actor, you know, you really have to take care of just you have to just worry about yourself Mm -hmm. you know you just show up and you do your lines and you get sent home you know and and that's your kind of part in the film as a director you're there from the beginning to the very 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 end and um you know you have to have that stamina and you have to find that like i think underlying purpose of like what are you doing this for you know a film like this is not gonna go out and make you know, trillion, you know, billions of dollars. So, you know, there has to be like, like a real purpose that is, uh, you know, I think separate from just your selfish reasons, right. It's not about you anymore. You're almost, you are essentially like a parent overseeing, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, like hundreds of people that are working on this film and then the overall baby, the project itself. So, you know, it did change me. in in terms of like really learning how to communicate, being more empathetic and like, what are the tools you need to be a leader, you know? And as an actor, you don't really have to, you know, assemble those tools very often. You just, you know, if you have a screwdriver and, you know, a Phillips um, and a flathead, that's kind of enough most of the time, you know, you just take care of yourself, but as a director, I mean, you need a whole, like, snap-on, like, toolkit, right? And <laughs> plus more. I right? mean, you have to go borrow tools, right? So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you talk about the enormous amount of hours that you put into it. What about that post-production time period? I mean, that's where the perfectionist can step in and, and really kind of kill a lot of time.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Arrow. I mean, you know, I heard when I was younger that, you know, movies are made in three parts, you know, with the script and then when you're shooting it in production and then in post. That was, and post-production was something that was very you know, unfamiliar to me. As an actor, you get to be a part of pre-production and, of course, production. Um, and then at post, you know, the director and the whole other team takes that over. Um, we, I was just like super blessed with this project was that, you know, I was mentored by so many veterans in the industry that came on board and that, and, and I don't know why they did that, you know, um, they came on board to like, you know, to help me with the sound mix, the coloring, like we had, you know, the colors from Force Gump, we had our sound mixer, Gary, you know, was, you know, nominated and he was part of like Oscar winning films. And these veterans, like these mentors came on board to like support this film and also like, you know, guide me and teach me, right? and um, it, I, and I asked them, I said, you know, why would you come onto this little 50 cent, you know, f- film? I mean, you worked on such great cinema. Your filmography is so deep um, and prestigious. And, and they said, you know, it's because, you know, I think, you know, maybe this is something, you know, I'd love to share this with the listeners. It's like, you know, I, maybe it was age and timing, mm-hmm. but I was okay with telling people that i did not know mm-hmm. and you know when i would meet these veterans they go hey so you know what's your experience with coloring I, go, I don't know gary i know nothing you know and I, I hope that i could maybe pick your brain or it'd be just great to like sit down and have coffee and buy lunch and just ask you questions and give me like you know a template of things that i have to worry out watch out for And maybe i you know won't make mistakes and this was you know it it was interesting because that was one of the answers that kind of persuaded them to even come on board right and we cannot afford these people i mean everybody took discounts and um and i realized that you know when you're when you know when we're younger we hear these things like you know these phrases like you know if you know you gotta ask for help you know otherwise people won't help you you gotta help Mm -hmm. your, you know i want to help people who want to help themselves and and, and, and that is true you know it's like they knew that you know I was you know I'm out there trying to make this happen and you know asking everybody dumb questions and you know there are some they are amazing people in this world and especially in our business and that connective tissue of having passion over you know over, over movies and film you know that's something that you know I think people can you know feel right away so you know again it takes a village and you know i can say i still know nothing i have so much to learn as a director right um so you have to lean on the people that know that know more right and that are more experienced
0: <laughs> now rumor has it that you spent four hours in makeup with obi-wan how did that change the way that they were going into makeup in making this movie
1: um, well, because I had the experience already of going through prosthetics um, with another master of his craft, Bart Nixon, who created the original IT character and RoboCop. You know, um, I understood the, I guess the 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 time and the cadence that went into you know an actor sitting in the makeup chair and what it takes for a craftsman like Bart or Gabe to, you know, be able to finish, um, you know, the prosthetics on on the performer. Um, and so, you know, it, it was just planning. I knew that I couldn't rush, you know, I didn't want to rush Bart and the actors and, you know, and, you know, I knew these like some of the creatures, like the zombie stuff, like took three hours plus, you know, um, and that's, that's working like, you know, super fast, you know, they should have like five, six hours to do it, but, um, we just planned ahead. You know, it's like if, if, if our shooting time was, you know, like eight in the morning, our call time was eight. you know, I made sure that we gave them at least three and a half, four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sucks for them because they have to come, you know, four hours earlier, but it's, it's just a matter of scheduling and being patient, you know, and, knowing that the, the, this stuff you don't rush you know like you have to give the artist like the, the right amount of the time to execute and you can't be putting all this pressure on them because then the product will come out you know like funny right or flawed right so um,
0: yeah as a producer and as a an actor do you want to play freddy krueger or do you want to make a freddy krueger movie
1: no, I, I, I don't want to I don't know if I want to actually make one I I, I want to be Freddy Cougar, nice, nice. I mean, yeah I, I want to put on that glove with the, <laughs> you know the knife fingers <laughs> right uh, yeah I mean I when I was when I was doing a OB1 I mean I, I you know the first week it's super cool like you're like oh I'm in Star Wars but then you know by the third week you're like I, I don't know about this four hours of prosthetics every day um and I don't want to do, you know, if this Freddy Krueger dream ever happens, like I don't want to do like, you know, CG. You know, I, 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 I I'd love to do it practically. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, but I know yeah. that's going to take like four hours plus every day in makeup. But for Freddy Krueger, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so you got to come back to this show any time in the future. The door is always going to be open for you.
1: Uh, thank you, sir. It, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you for your questions. You bet. We appreciate it.
0: You'd be brilliant today. Okay, sir.
1: All right. Thank you. You have a great day.